Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today we're going to be speaking to Helen Courier. She's a director of the Renal Phoresis Service Acute Chronic Home Phoresis and Allied Health Quality of Life Program Renal Clinic at Texas Children's Hospital in Houston. Did I get that right, Helen? Did I do I pretty think good? So. Well, <laughs> I, I know you have um, so many talents, and I have been to your facility for pediatrics, and it's just, you know, you do such an amazing job, and I'm so happy that you've tackled the topic that we're going to be speaking about and helping educate people, and the topic is, you know, pediatrics transitioning to an adult dialysis facility, and, you know, it's it's tough, but it happens to a lot of people, so... Um, welcome to the show, and thank you for sharing your knowledge. Happy to. Now, you worked in, you know, you work in the pediatric unit. And what age do patients have to transition from a pediatric to an adult facility? I mean, I, I know it's kind of iffy. Actual tran- well, well, it's transition and transfer, and really, you know, drawing a distinction. Okay. Um, about transis transitioning to adult care. Um, transitioning should be preparation that really starts on admission to a pediatric facility. So the family should be prepared for how long their child will be in the care of the pediatrician, pediatric nephrologist, so that these conversations don't happen um, when you know, around the time of an actual transfer. And that's something that everyone in pediatrics is really working on. And they have to, when you when you start to transition, what, what is the actual age? Is it 18? Is it 21? Um, do different facilities have different rules? It, it, there's a lot of variability. Um, uh, transfer um, uh, may be least desirable um, during the stage of mid-adolescence. Um, that is uh, 14 to 17 years of age, but that is a good time for transition preparation. Okay. So you should not transfer them, but you should learn about um, preparing for mastery of self-care skills, um, taking medicines accurately, arranging clinic visits, things like that. Well, and the thing is, is I know that, you know, I transitioned. <laughs> it was really difficult. <laughs> it was really difficult because I was on dialysis from age 12 to 24. And I remember that I was going to a pediatric facility and then I switched to peritoneal. And then I ended up being switched to a nephrologist that was closer to my house where I did my PD follow-up visits. And um, luckily, I had great PD nurses, and it was much more convenient for me than going to the hospital for the follow-up, which was the pediatric hospital, which was further away from my house. Um, the, The good thing is, is that I was very healthy during this time. I didn't have any major upsets where... Uh, you had, you know, if you if you're 
if you've transferred over to an adult doctor and you haven't had that relationship with them established, that's the scariest thing, I think, for patients, you know, because you get so much love and care and attention from your pediatric group that you may not get the same time in the adult and you have to learn to kind of adjust. Do you, do you see that as a reality? Yes, we do. And actually, Lori, we are trying to learn from our, what we call our long-term survivors. And these are patients who have transitioned to adult care. And we offer um, a retreat for them so that we can learn about what work and where opportunities are for improvement. With our longer-term goal is to have a long-term survivor uh, follow-up clinic. Because, I mean, I see this with the prom a lot that you know about. I see the kids transitioning you know, from um, one of my prom attendees. I'm so proud of her, but she got a transplant. She just graduated law school. So I'm going to go have lunch with her. And I'm so excited that, you know, it's, it, it is, it's just when you're young and you're diagnosed with an illness, you're, you have to grow up and there's going to be different stages in your life. And I think that um, one of the areas that I think um, was brought up at one of our weekend calls is that, you know, what can patients do too? Because when you're seeing, when you're an adult unit and now the transfers actually happened, what does the community need to do? And I know for myself, when you're an adult unit, it really depends what time you go to dialysis. Because if you go at a certain time, you may see sicker people at that time. And just based on the time frame, I mean, and I used to dialyze at five o'clock in the morning so I could go to work. And there were the working patients and the ones that came in on the gurneys. And I was, you know, in my late 19, 20 years old. And it was important for that to be explained to me that this is a time that we actually, you know, provide for people who work, but also some of the people who have to be transferred who are sicker also utilize that time. So it made me understand that um, because it's very difficult to see people, some of them on the end of their life when you're a young person sitting right next to them. And I think that psychosocial is, is, is really important to address. So we try to arrange a visit um, to an adult facility um, at a time when a trusted nurse or a social worker or a, in our facility, we have quality of life program coordinators um, whenever they can accompany the patient. Well, and so that they can, you know, talk a little bit about that and then work that out, you know, visit the facility and then maybe um, um, have a follow-up visit once they started at that facility. Well, you know, it is stark. It's it's very it's very, you know, it's just it's such a different environment. I mean, I know going to the pediatric facilities, it's just it's like a family. You know, everybody knows you. um, Everybody knows your name. (laughs) And, um, you know, when you go into an adult facility, it's just a little bit bigger and faster pace and you if you don't learn like you said how to advocate for yourself and speak up you you some of the things could be missed that maybe the smaller environment may have picked up so you know you definitely have to be your own advocate it's it's really about you know learning all of those self-care skills there's some things that aren't intuitive so even like how much dialysis you know you need Mm -hmm. And some um, 
patients think, well, I could go to a place that offers shorter treatments, thinking about a convenience and really may not know what the trade-off is because you have a little bit more latitude as an adult to make decisions for yourself, whereas in a pediatric facility, we're offering you really that, um, I mean, as much as we can, that you know, the perfect prescription. Well, and it is because it's, it's you know, wow, I could have shorter treatments, but no, you may get end up in the hospital as a result of it. You might have too much fluid on board. You may not be getting properly dialyzed. And, and I know that you've witnessed this over the years, but there's the chronicity of the illness. And a lot of times people forget that, you know, they just start to feel bad and they can't really pinpoint it to anything. It's um, and they just accept not feeling good. And there's a reason they're not feeling good. And it could be not getting enough treatment, need their medication adjusted, um, a a number of things. And I I talk to a lot of patients that, you know, don't understand that there could be a cause for you not feeling well, you just can't chalk it up. Oh, my kidneys failed. I need dialysis. Uh, That's really a very good point. Self monitoring for um, signs and symptoms of renal disease. I think one of the things that needs to be looked at more, especially in the adult facility, and I don't know if you are looking at in pediatric, but it's just oxygen levels. And, you know, it's there's so many. Um, I've learned from myself of being a pediatric that I have a little bit of pulmonary issues from um, an antibiotic, but also from the fact that I've had so many abdominal surgeries that my pulmonologist has told me that, you know, the fact that you've had, you know, I had an inner abdominal transplant. The fourth kidney transplant was because of they couldn't find any room to put another kidney. So they had to do basically, you understand the term, but a, 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 a transplant they perform on a baby. <laughs> um, I had, right, and, right. Um, but, you know, all of those components have really impacted my lung capacity because of all the muscle that has been, you know, torn apart or in my stomach area, which supports your diaphragm. And so um, these are some other issues that I think, you know, as patients get older and they transition, that they may have to deal with more than the adult population, because starting as a pediatric, you have more complications when you have when you have surgery when you're younger. <laughs> and they may not be aware of it in the adult facility, some of these There's issues. There's so much more than, than just um, the the treatment of that day. It's really about disease management, knowing your body, communicating, really advocating for yourself, and then finding that person on the team who you can make a connection um, with. It may be your physician, it might be your nurse, it may be the social worker, but somebody who can, you know, help translate and advocate for your for you as well. You know, I have a question too. When you're transitioning to an adult unit, and I see this with some of our members, but the parents still stay on as the caretaker and they still continue to manage all of the patient's care. You know, I didn't have that luxury. I had a family member, you know, my family was um, had an illness of their own, so they couldn't do that. I had to either sink or swim. But what is your advice to family members who have a child who's transitioning? And do you find that sometimes they don't want to let the patient take over? You know, because I think some of the people listening, it's, 
you know, at some point we have to take control. It is difficult. Um, and, and in a um, healthy situation, the pediatric facility really helps direct that. But it, but there are so many variables. Um, there's the variable of the parent. Um, some parents um, feel as if they need to overprotect, perhaps, um, their uh, child. Um, others. Uh, might may not have the same amount of time. It uh, doesn't mean that they don't feel the same protective um, things. But there's a time, there's, you know, part of that can be very healthy. But when it's not healthy is whenever um, the child, you know, can't um, begin, I think it's called um, reproachment with their parents. Um, you know, whenever they can break away and really become their own independent person. And in looking at our long-term survivors, the patients who are able to, to end up taking care of themselves seem as if they do the best. Now, and that have the right family support, but that they're not, but they are given the independence of an adult. I just remember when I was like eight years old or nine years old that my doctor, Dr. Richard Fine, who is my pediatric nephrologist, you know, basically said, you need to learn how to take your own blood pressure. You need to learn how you're... He was just so adamant because I had some family <laughs> dynamics that didn't really often help, you know, they. my mom, and she admits that she's, a re, she's an alcoholic. She's a recovering alcoholic now. But and, you know, I was a single mom and no brothers or sisters. And he knew that I needed to know how to take care of myself. And he expected me to do that. He, he didn't even, you know, leave any room for air that. And when he would come into the bedside and talk to me and, you know, he would talk to me. And, you know, my mom would listen and he would look at her and he would talk to her, but he would talk to me because he would empower me that I had to take charge. And, and you know, and, and really what began as just basic, like, uh, survival turned into lifelong love of learning about my illness because I was so engaged in the process. And I think, you know, I know in the pediatric clinic, but I see this in the adult clinic, is that if you don't understand why something is happening or you don't under why, understand why you're taking a medication or why you're doing something, it doesn't become important to to manage that. And I think a lot of times people give the prescription, but they don't say why it's important. So people really have to understand, you know, the treatment or the pill or, or the reasoning behind something so that they can understand the full picture of their body and how it relates to their overall health. You know, I try to, as you know, try to explain this to all the patients that I, you know, encounter, but you know, some of them just don't want to be engaged. And I guess that's their choice. And it's very frustrating when you, you know, yes, come across it, that. <laughs> right. And Dr. Uh, Doctor Fine really is a, a, an incredible role model for all um, pediatric nephrology practitioners. And you are, um, as a pediatric patient who has successfully transitioned to adult care. 
Yeah, I'm trying to change the care. Okay, I don't want to just transition. <laughs> I'm trying to change the care. You know, you now I'm at the next level, right? I want, you know, I want this and I want that. And, you know, I go into these professional meetings and I'm the result of being empowered. And, um, you know, I wrote this article. I think you may have witnessed this with some of your patients too, is that, and I think you probably address it correctly, but, you know, sometimes the engaged patient can be very annoying. And um, I, I had this recent physician visit, and what well, was it recent, a few years ago, where I went to see a cardiologist. And the cardiologist, you know, he was visiting with me in the room, and he was very active in, you know, different we, we knew some different companies and stuff like that. But then he said, oh, follow me. And I'm like, okay. So I got off the, the little bench that you were in the treatment room and started to follow him because I thought he was taking me somewhere else. But he took me to the appointment desk and said, make an appointment. I wasn't, I wasn't even done with the appointment. I wasn't even <laughs> sure we were concluded, but he wanted to get me out of the room to the appointment desk to make an appointment. And I said, I don't think so. And I walked out the door. And, you know, it took a lot of courage. I could have done that many years ago. But I mean, you know, to hear that story where he's like, oh, follow me. I thought he was going to show me a chart in another room or something or give me some information. No, he just wanted to, you know, get me out of the room to make an appointment. And, um, you know, I had to learn and I think you have to teach your patients in transitioning that they're going to have to date their doctors and figure out which one's the right fit. That's right. You have to really interview just it's just like anything you evaluate you know do you have a rapport mm -hmm. and really knowing how long does it take to develop a rapport and um, if it if you don't have a rapport then it really isn't a safe situation mm -hmm. I call it dating my doctors you dating know, your dating your doctor. I have to go out for a couple of dates because, you know, with them, get them to know them because eventually, once you're my doctor, you're my doctor for life till death do us part. And um, it's almost like a marriage. <laughs> you know, it's actually more important than my marriage because, you know, I wouldn't have a marriage if I don't have good doctors. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a comical slant on it, but it's extremely true. And I'm dating this one doctor right now. And I told him that and he really loved my sense of humor. And he said, okay, we're going to the beach this time. And he totally played into it because I might <laughs> have to have him do surgery on me in the future. And I know that if I don't trust him 100% going into surgery, and it takes time, that um, I won't do as well. And he may not do as well because I need him to understand me completely. To uh, he needs to get me, <laughs> and so um, right, right. And, and no, it's so important. It, it is, you know, and I think that uh, a lot of times that you know maybe the pediatric patients don't understand that because when they're transitioning over, an adult world is a much more faster paced, and I have to say, often cynical. Sometimes. Um, I had a friend of mine who went to see a, a knee surgeon and, you know, she's like late 40s and she needs a knee replacement. And the adult doctor said, why bother? You're not going to be here that long. I mean, literally didn't think she should have it because her the mortality rate is high. This is what they told her. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he and I said, I'm glad he showed you that he was a jerk before you dated him. You know, you just got to get another doctor. But sometimes you get more cynicism with adult doctors than you do pediatrics. Wow. And, and I, I think that, you know, if patients don't have hope, um, which is the most important thing, <laughs> then, you know, oh, all of this becomes yeah, hope. Hope is it. 
you have to have hope and you have to have the will to get out of bed to do all the stuff you have to do with this illness. And um, and you have to have um, healthcare professionals that, you know, have expectations and believe in you. Because I know even myself, I mean, there's times I just didn't think I could do things. And, you know, like, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to get through this. And then I would get through it and I would re-energize. But um, you need a healthcare team that actually believes that you're going to be well. I mean, this couldn't believe this when my friend told me this. And I said, you know, you were so lucky he told you who he was before he operated on you. You know, or didn't. I mean, he really didn't want to operate on her because he didn't think she had a very long life expectancy. And, um, you know, that was, I mean, she's a very active person who's on home dialysis. And this post was all over, you know, was on some of the different chats that we have. And um, we all wanted to get his name and go, you know, put signs outside of his door. (laughs) And um, and when you have an opportunity to network, and we, our long-term survivor group, their recent retreat, that was a big part of the discussion. You know, do you like your nephrologist? Do you like your cardiologist? Mm-hmm. You know, what kinds of, you know, how, um, you know, how's the rest of the team? And um, I think that when they spoke to one another, that was probably um, their biggest interest. Well, you want to compare notes. I mean, it's like when it's the equivalent of when all of us girls get together when we're dating and we're telling us about, you know, our relationships. And and I keep going back to dating and I'm going to be celebrating my 19th anniversary. I'm very happily married. I just want to say oh, that for the congratulations. record. Congratulations. But one of the <laughs> things that is so important, it is, it's like these relationships are so big in our lives. They're so important. And that's what we share when we're with our friends. And, you know, it's hard to share with people who haven't gone through the same thing. And so, you know, it's that they get that. Like, wow, I have to develop these relationships with all these different people that I normally wouldn't have to. But they're so important. And I'm sure it's just a blast to sit there and compare notes. Um, and if adult um, patients who, who came from, you know, um, pediatric beginnings, you know, you're, you're connecting to people. And in our program, we're reaching out to those people. But some of the most important things that you can do as a, a graduate from a pediatric program is to go back and visit the pediatric program. That's so true. We, we had a, another interview too. It's just like the dialysis unit. If you get a transplant, go see, you know, go back to the yeah, facility. It's powerful. It's It's so powerful. Tell them the one thing that made a difference. It it really can impact the care for so many other patients. And and then they also, I mean, I know when I do the prom every year, and I'll be 50 this year. Can you believe that, Helen? I'm going to be 50. I never thought I would be 50. You are not. I'm going to be 50 this year. I mean, it's, congratulations! I know, just even the thought of it, of living with this illness for 48 years. And... And I was thinking about that because when I do the prom every year, and it's the 18th prom this year, and I have almost a whole generation of kids that have come through the prom, and me just being that person who survived, them just seeing me being happily married, having a career, um, following my passion, being a leader, I, I can't tell you how many times a new teen comes to the prom and is shocked that as a patient, I'm the leader of the prom. And I said, yes, yeah, someday you're going to have to take this over. I'm going to get old and tired. And you're going to have to take this over. And, you know, it's so empowering them for them to see their peers being successful. 
because that's what they need. They need, you know, we all need to see that. But um, sometimes, just like my friend who just graduated from law school. <laughs> so I'm going to recruit her to get some free legal advice. And, <laughs> um, and she came to the prom for many years. And there's so many of them, but it's hard to connect because they, you know, you go out and live your life. And, you know, Facebook makes it a lot easier. So, well, um, thanks for inspiring others to dream more, learn more, and do more. So just to wrap up a little bit, I think about, you know, transitioning because, you know, you made it clear there's transitioning and then there's transfer. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, the pediatric units can help prepare the patients to transition. But there will also be cases when just a young person is 19, 20 and shows up in an adult setting. They never got that transition. And I think, you know, we need to learn from the information out there. I know you created some tools that about transitioning through the National Renal Administrators Association and some other entities that you work for. But uh, we need to just kind of sit and just remember that they have a whole other set of needs than people who are a little bit older and established. Well, and their developmental needs should be taken into consideration just like we take into consideration those of our geriatric patient. You know, it, it's it's so true. And um, unfortunately, um, that people who are younger, you know, are having kidney failure. And um, until we eradicate that and cure it, we're still going to be talking about this. So, Helen, um, I know that you're going to send me a link and we're going to post it on the page because it's a little too long to say here when we we um, post this show that they can get more information about um, transitioning, um, become informed, you know, if you're an adult facility uh, and you're a patient listening, you know, maybe you could reach out to the social worker and um, ask them, you know, maybe you want to get engaged when a younger person comes to the clinic and, you know, be a mentor and help them. <laughs> um, so to let them know that they're not alone in a big unit and you're a peer support. So with that, uh, thank you, Helen, for all of the great work that you do. I know you're very dedicated to this community. And on behalf of patients, um, you know, we really appreciate that. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.